Well, hello everyone, and welcome to this, the latest episode of the HR Tech Chat video podcast. And today I have uh, with us as our guest, Rachel Jordan, who is Vice President of Product Management for HCM at Unit 4. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about this episode. Um, we're going to solve all the problems in HCM in the next half hour. Um, I, I assure our audience. <laughs> um, very simple. Yeah, very, very <laughs> simple. Um, we want to talk today around, you know, without HCM, this idea that without HCM, your organization uh, will will have a really tough time. I, I, I want to say fail. It seems uh, almost uh, extreme, but I, but 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 maybe not really. Um, Maybe we could talk just, uh, maybe you could just give us a little bit about your background and then we could start talking about the evolution of HCM systems. Sure. Um, so for my background, I've actually spent the last 20 years in various uh, aspects of HCM. I spent a lot of time in learning and development. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been really interesting to watch how everything has changed. Uh, the systems used to be so tactical. Uh, and they were viewed very much as just systems that you, know, you have to manage your employees, put them in the system, you're entering data. And really over the last five years, especially, there's just been a huge shift and HR itself has a huge role in the success of a company. Mm. And that is so, so different uh, that there's really more of a proactive role in helping companies achieve their goals and participate in making initiatives successful. Um, it's just been a big shift. And along with that shift, of course, um, all of the technology has changed. And I think the definition of uh, HR and um, what they own uh, is very different. So an HCM system of today looks entirely different than it did uh, just a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll concur with that statement. <laughs> um, it, and you know, it's interesting, uh, you know, at 360 Insights, we, we, we speak of concrete and abstract HCM. It's just a way to kind of um, uh, categorize different types of activities in HCM, concrete HCM being sort of that, that highly automatable, uh, heavy administrative load that HR has been long known for and that technology has uh, for a very long time been, been um, been helping with to add efficiency, but it's also been this, this, this activity that's sort of relegated HR to that relegated HR for such a long time to sort of a cost center role, a thing to be contained and minimized. Um, but abstract HCM is really what you just described is, is being a partner to the business and uh, being involved and helping to, to draw the most out of the workforce um, and helping to support the employee experience and ultimately um, contribute to the success of the employer brand. Um, so, so I am uh, completely on board with you on, on, uh, on that. Um, if we were to look at this, um, maybe drill down a little bit, how does the fact that the employee experience always happens whenever, wherever the employee is, for example, um, how does that affect how we think about older ter terminology for talent management and, excuse me, for HCM and older terminology we used for HCM systems and thinking around them versus newer ideas like um, people empowerment, for example? 
I think it's a, it's one big shift and that was from top down to more bottom up. There is a lot of focus now on empowering employees. Uh, it's less about an organization telling them what they need to be doing. Uh, and it's, it's kind of, we flip the script a little bit. We empower employees by presenting them with opportunities, uh, options. Uh, we use systems that help them to forge their own path and figure out uh, how to get value from the company, not just how they can provide value to the company. And I think that's another big shift is how do we as employers, you know, how do we bring value to the person? And so with all of that, it really became a focus on talent uh, around engagement. And uh, really, if you look at the employee life cycle from hire through retire, the center of that, you know, really the time you spend at the company, um, that's where we're putting all of our focus now on development, career planning. Um, that's where a lot of the focus has gone. And, and it also contributes to culture mm. and a lot of focus on culture. What, what is, what, just kind of sit on this for a minute. What, what is driving this, this attitudinal um, sea change? What's driving it? How, where was the, where was the, the, the pivotal sort of, you know, turning point? Is, is, was it recent, like the, I'm thinking pandemic, but, but this has been going, this, this march toward this has been sort of inexorable for a long time. Like what, what is really driving this? That's a great question. And I agree, this really started well before the pandemic. Um, I think there's a couple of things. One, uh, there's a lot of transparency of data and information that we never had before. Uh, that also means uh, we are more mobile. We can find opportunities a lot easier. We're a more global culture at this point. So you can work for any company anywhere. And what that means is I think that this really put employees in the driver's seat. They can be picking. Uh, they can really go after what they want and what's important to them. They have a lot more um, ease of access to opportunity than ever before. So what that has resulted in is a highly competitive market. And we're seeing that, especially now post-pandemic, uh, more than ever, it's extremely competitive out there. Um, and it's really... Uh, in an, an employee's market, <laughs> it's it's really the the responsibility now is on the employer for employee retention. What are you going to do to keep your employees? And uh, it's it's definitely been I think a rapid shift. Technology has a huge part to play. Uh, again, it's I think it's a lot of transparency and availability and access to data. Yeah, I agree with you. You know. The, the, the evolution of technology itself has uh, sort of opened our eyes to uh, a little bit, well, more than a little bit in terms of what the employee-employer uh, relationship can be. I was going to say should be, but can be, right? Um, and there's, there's definitely a lot of that in, in talent mobility, again, facilitated or made, made possible again by technology is driving this. So you said uh, employees or the, the workforce, whether it be you know existing employees or potential employees, they're, they're in the driver's seat more so than they were previously. I like that, um, that, that way of putting it. I, I like to say that the power dynamic is, is, is shifting, uh, but, but I also, I don't know if I like to say power, even though it's true, right? I, I like how you put it, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so it's, it's sort of a, a, 
technology sort of prompting us gently over time to uh, change our attitudes in terms of what it means to have employees and 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 how they can you can contribute to them it's a mutual uh it's a, a relationship of a relationship of mutuality and these sorts of things um what is something hr absolutely must have in order to break free from you know sort of the old reactive ways uh it's reactive transactional routes to play a more strategic role in the organization I think it's crucial at this point that your HR systems are have a connectedness to the rest of the organization. So to have an HR uh, or an HCM that is completely connected to all the different aspects of your business, financials, um, you know, sales, everything needs to be connected. I think, again, with that availability of data, that is so important. It gives insights. It lets you do forecasting. And it really adds a lot of strength to an organization to have an HR that has complete line of sight into everything that can make them successful. Mm. And so it's, there's, been, there's been a shift for a while now that data is becoming really important. The data is there. And what we're realizing now is we need to have it all connected and have access to it so you can make sense of it, bring it together in meaningful ways. Yeah, have it be readily accessible for, uh, for to, to, to produce, you know, predictive and maybe even prescriptive analytics. Uh, where, where do you think those, where do you think that, that data, um, who, who is most benefited by having access to that data? Or is it everyone? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's actually, I would say it's it's two big groups. It's the organization itself is the business. Uh, it's actually the employees. Uh, the employees have a lot to gain when you suddenly begin connecting all of the data points in a company. Um, managers. So with a lot of insights um, becomes, um, I, I think it becomes a tool that you can use every single day. And if a company is really good at it and the tools are really good at it, um, you don't even notice. And it's something that becomes natural. Uh, it's organic. It's built into your processes every day. That's um, kind of, I think, the nirvana. That's where we really want to be. It would be heaven if all of your data was connected and just it was where you need it, when you need it, all the time. So I think that's that's really where systems are trying to evolve to. You can see it in pockets right now uh, throughout the industry. I know that's something that you know we have a large suite and we're always focused on making sure that we're connecting the right data points and it's where it needs to be. Yeah. It almost sounds like it. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've had some conversations previously before doing this episode. And I know the concept that came up with sort of this idea of an HCM warning system for the organization mm -hmm. almost sounds like, you know, if you have enough information coming from enough, um, you know, nooks and crannies of the organization, then, then you're going to have a really good sort of uh, understanding of what's next or, or, or an ability to kind of predict what's likely to come next. Kind of like, you know, when there, there's a, a earthquake early warning systems, or, or I think we're better at, at, at meteorology, I think, probably than geology when it comes to those early warning systems, but, you know, a hurricane early warning system or these sorts of things. And so, and this is an extreme, you know, we're, we're not talking about evacuating the organization if there's an HCM emergency, um, but, but this idea that, you know, you can make some, uh, you can become a more agile organization. 
I, I love that um, because there's actually an interesting way to look at it. If you take the weather example, you know, yes, I think with an early warning system, we can look at known variables to say, look, you have uh, a certain population of people that are retiring in X number of years. We can look ahead, forecast that, and now prepare. Uh, we can look and say, wait a minute, based on um, you know, the hiring over the last year, you're getting a little top heavy or, or you're bottom heavy. You're losing expertise in the middle layers. There's a lot you can do to really examine your workforce and make sure you're prepared. Um, and I think skills is interesting. There's a lot we can do around skills. Uh, with managers, uh, imagine a system that could warn you that there's certain behaviors occurring with one of your employees that maybe they're looking for a new job, maybe they're unhappy. Um, you know, if you look at absences that are trending, maybe they're taking more time off than usual, or maybe they have a health problem and you need to be concerned. <laughs> so yeah. I think there's all kinds of ways early warning systems could be super effective. And you know, we joke about, well, we can't really predict earthquakes. Um, the pandemic was, an, was the earthquake. Yeah. Um, I think that was where I, I think the early warning system could have told you uh, maybe back in you know the end of 2019, are you prepared if <laughs> the yeah. worst happens yeah. where your business model suddenly won't work um, because the variables have changed? And we did see that. Uh, and this is where um, two years ago, I guess now, uh, there was such a, a big focus on organizational agility because we realized there are earthquakes in business. Uh, unfortunately, they don't happen very often, but they do happen. And are we prepared uh, when that happens? And so HR was asked that question, what are you doing to make sure that we can pivot if needed and one of those major variables changes? And HR systems are well positioned to do it um, if we plan accordingly and we, again, position ourselves with the right data points and the right analytics. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But by the way, I love, that I love it when you could take the metaphor so far, you know, you're right. The pandemic, the pandemic really was the, the earthquake. It was that, and it was also that exclamation point uh, at the end of what was looking like a sentence uh, around, you know, <laughs> around this, this move to, um, you know, uh, respect the uh, workforce more or to uh, engage with the workforce more and to see it more as a mutual relationship. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, oh, that's so interesting. It's so interesting. I, you know, in terms of, in terms of the need of HCM technology in addressing business challenges, um, if we could kind of focus on that for a little bit here, um, I know we, we hear a lot about hybrid working, speaking of the, you know, the earthquake of the pandemic and how something has sort of exploded and that, you know, the terrain, um, really trying to keep that metaphor going. The terrain isn't nice necessarily the same as it used to be, right? Um, what do you think are some of the consequences from the standpoint of obtaining and making sense of people data within the organization when you have a much more sort of dispersed workforce geographically now than you used to? I think it's, it's, it's been fascinating to watch. Uh, I think at first we all rushed to make sure we had the tools we needed um, just to do our jobs. Uh, but then it became interesting because I, I think a lot of companies noticed how much they relied on uh, things like interpersonal communication in person. Mm. Um, how much how much could you understand the culture or the sentiment of your direct reports, for example, because you all met every single day in the office? Um, could you still 
um, could you still communicate with your employees as effectively? Did you have the same level of transparency of sentiment uh, than you did before? Uh, so I think there was uh, then a rush to realize we have to close those gaps. Um, and so employee engagement became really, really important. How do we connect now with all of those employees? Uh, and the other, the other aspect of it was too, is just uh, making sure you're inclusive and everybody has, has access. Um, not everybody works well that way. Mm. It was, I think, especially challenging for a lot of people. Uh, you had the additional stressors of balancing work and home. Um, I think anybody with um, pets or children had some really interesting, <laughs> interesting meetings. Um, you've got dogs barking, you've got, you know, contractors walking by maybe and children knocking on your door. And so it, it's been really interesting that we've all had to adjust. And I, I think, believe it or not, though, HCM has a big part of that. Uh, it's really HR's job to know, are their employees struggling? Are they handling things well? Uh, so a lot of things came out where I think there's been a lot more focus now on culture, um, making sure that, again, there's there's equal access for everybody, um, that you're paying attention to stress, stress levels. Um, Work-life balance was hard. Mm. Uh, for global companies with time zones, suddenly I know you're home. So, yeah. <laughs> so clearly you can have meetings any time of the day. Uh, and that's not true. Uh, so I think there were some additional challenges there with uh, needing some uh, guidelines and some parameters around how do we work together now that we are all home all the time, uh, but you have to be very careful. What kind so, of, yeah, sorry, I, did, I didn't mean to interrupt, interrupt, but this kind of occurred to me. Um, what kind of data do we have of it? Does HCM have available to it now? Um, mm -hmm. Excuse me. What kind of HCM data is available now that wasn't previously, by virtue of these circumstances, now that we find with hybrid working and these? Do we have more data now that we can make better decisions? Uh, uh, we can. Uh, I say we can because again, the tools are there, uh, and this is where I think the discussions are helpful to help people see how they can use the tools they have. Um, I think you've got from a tactical perspective. Um, is it important to know um, how much time people are spending in the office versus at home? Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of data to be had there. If you're will, if you start tracking that on things like your timesheets, um, you can track it in other ways, but that's one way of doing it. Um, I think that again, HCM systems, um, most of them you know, hopefully have survey capability. I know that's something we put a lot of work into as well to say, let's make sure we can send out pulse surveys and we can tap into what people are thinking in an anonymous way. Mm. Uh, so I think we have a lot of tools now uh, from your tactical data points to see the tools people are using, how they're spending their time. Um, and then we also, whether or not they're taking enough time off. Uh, and then we have tools like engagement surveys. So we can just ask them, how are things going for you? Um, what's going well? So the data is definitely there. Uh, and it's just a matter of, I think, again, uh, making sure you're using everything in, in the best way and then taking a look at your data periodically and, and making sure you pay attention to it. Um, the final thought I'll add to that is you can use all the tools, you can ask all the questions, but if you don't turn around and react to the results, um, you're not taking full advantage and you're not getting the benefits. Yeah. Yeah, and you need and you need a way as an organization to know exactly what to do, 
and um, and and some yeah. sort of a motivation to do it. You know what I'm hearing is, you know, with with pulse surveys and these sorts of things, you can get some very very valuable insight into the or into the um, the people of the organization. You know, the the employee sentiment, their you know their sense of belonging, what the culture is like um, across the organization. Um, and then obviously that can help with with retention, right? And HCM, so HCM data plays a, a, a you know integral or I would say indispensable role in uh, driving retention. And you can also kind of tease out some information or some uh, some uh, inklings into you know uh, internal mobility, what what people want uh, internally and what the organization has in terms of internal mobility, these sorts of things. A couple of questions. I think that's one of the most important ones, by the way. What was um, that? Sorry, I'll interrupt you. I think that's one of the most important aspects okay. of employee retention. It's it's opportunity. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Think internal mobility is huge. I, I think the days of staying in a company in the same job and simply advancing vertically, that's kind of a, an, an outdated concept now. Um, I think the idea of staying with one company is fantastic. But the idea that they're going to move in a straight line is is uh, it's not realistic anymore. So I think this is where, again, I, I, I love the idea of internal mobility, mm. presenting opportunities to people, making sure you have a culture to support it mm. um, and you don't have people blocking someone's mobility because it you know takes them out of your out of your department, for example. Um, so first is the culture, but then it, it is presenting opportunity, helping them find opportunities by you know, showing them here's the skills you have. And if you want this job, here's the skills you need and we're gonna help you get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, it's really all of these different pieces uh, that will, we always want employees, I think, to look internally before, if they're a great employee, you wanna keep them, um, find an opportunity for them, find the better fit, find the best fit uh, and they'll stay with the company. And, I, and that, that's what we all, yeah. we all strive for. Yeah, and that's that's about transferable skills and identifying their soft skills and these sorts of things. So you have an expanded, uh, more more accurate um, uh, understanding and view of their of their of their potential. What what do you think is the role of um, of leaders in the organization in this sort of in these things? Well, I think the first is to make people comfortable asking, "Can I move?" Believe it or not, I think that's a very hard conversation for a lot of people to have. And if you have your leadership letting people know, not only is it okay, we encourage it, that it, it starts with that top-down um, mentality and, and, and culture. Create the culture that change is positive. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's number one. And number two would be supporting, I think, the frameworks needed to effectively do it. Um, I think it's very, you can't, I mean, you can just tell an employee, oh, you know, if you find an opportunity, let me know and I'll help you. Um, but that's not ideal. <laughs> so ideally, they're supporting the frameworks needed to help, again, find the best fit or set them on a development path so yeah. that they're prepared for that move and they're qualified. Um, so I think it's it's both. It's the culture and, and I think supporting it um, in terms of technology, frameworks, staffing, you know, all of it. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, you're singing my song. Um, in terms of organizations um, justifying or let's say operationalizing uh, investment into HCM technology, um, 
How should they do that? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think the first is to make sure that the, the goals of the organization and the role that HCM plays uh, and HR plays are aligned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, HR, if they're going to deliver, they need to know what it is they're delivering on and, and what is their goal. And once you have that, I think it's, it's then beginning to break it down to say, what do we need? Um, HCM can be incredibly powerful. When you look at how far AI has come and machine learning, uh, there are so many tools. Um, there's also just different engagement tools and how you work with your employees um, to empower them to be more self-serving. Uh, there's, there's a lot that can be done, uh, but it really depends on what they're willing to invest in to achieve certain outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I think it all starts with making sure HR is part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and clear goals means clear action plans to help get you there. Okay. Okay. H, HR and other HCM immersed leaders in the organization. Um, how can they most easily show the value of investing in the tech for it? Like what's, what are some of the uh, paths of least resistance or some quick, some quick wins for them? Maybe some examples. Yeah, I think um, number one is you need to be able to show a, a adoption. Um, I love when you know, companies will roll something out and it's ultimately, yes, people would love to say, what are the dollars and cents? Um, what was the return of our investment on our investment? Um, and that's only that's part of it. But the other part is, first of all, just go back to basics. Um, can you show how much uh, engagement there was with the tool that you implemented? What was the adoption? Um, did you roll it out everywhere? And did employees really embrace it? Um, a big part of rollout, it's, it's not all technical. Uh, how did you roll things out? Um, and a, what most companies do with an implementation is they start small so that they can learn from it and then roll it out wider. And... So I, I think it's being very tactical and pragmatic in, in, in how you approach implementing anything. Um, but then once you've done that, it's again, having the idea of why did you do it in the first place? You need measurable outcomes. Um, so I think having a sense of a kind of structured KPIs from the beginning is important. Mm-hmm. Knowing how you're going to measure it at the end. Um, you know, outcomes don't magically appear. You need to really plan for those from the beginning know how you're planning to measure at the end so that everything's put into place. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely. Um, one thing that I would add to that though, which, uh, not though, but in also is this idea that it, you mentioned it with, with adoption rates and, and, and level of engagement and all this, there's so much um, potential upside. When I say potential, I don't mean like it, might or might not happen. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of potential, like it, maybe there's a different word. There's a, there's a long tail of great, great value that comes from H investments in HCM technology and, and, um, and transformational thinking in HM, HCM vis-a-vis the organization. So if you see, I would argue that if you're seeing a large adoption rate, lots of, uh, uh, if, you, if there's a big difference in, uh, in the positive direction uh, before and after, then you can expect all sorts of, a, a corny, maybe this is a little bit hyperbolic, but a cornucopia, I would say, of potential benefits to the organization, leading innovation, uh, greater revenue, all these sorts of things that ultimately um, 
KPIs may not, we may not be able to devise KPIs that, 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 that anticipate that at all or can measure it. We won't know to measure it until we, when we see it happen, we might not even be able to say um, technically that, well, yeah, that's because we put that HCM system in place. And yet I would argue that it's hard to, it's hard to argue that it wasn't because we put in, do you see what I mean? So, so I think yeah. that there's some stuff that, that that's what it, that's, that's what I'm, that's what this conversation is really kind of uh, putting a fine point on for me is that there's, there's, there's a lot of potential upside to HCM and it's not, it's not necessarily all measurable, um, right away. And once it happens, it might be tough to say definitively that it was the HCM system, but it's even tougher to say that it wasn't. Uh, I 100%. I think when you start looking at timelines, say, you know, we roll something out, anything, it could be a different performance review process, a feedback system um, from your peers, it could be um, new courses in your learning catalog, um, whatever it is you've rolled out, if you look and say we gave it 12 months, and since then, we saw that um, feedback was given, you know, monthly as opposed to previously, it was once a year when we forced people. <laughs> now people are proactively going and saying, wow, this person, I'm going to give them feedback because um, we had engagement and I was really impressed or happy with their performance. So I think um, a lot of this comes to, again, making it in uh, part of your culture and um, making it really easy. Part of this is also, you know, Again, people can use something once. Did they come back and continuously use it? If they did, chances are it will contribute with a positive outcome. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I've seen a lot of uh, failure cases where it wasn't the technology that failed necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't have supporting infrastructures around it. Uh, it didn't have the, uh, maybe there's no evangelism. People didn't even know about it. Uh, that's always fun. You roll out, you know, roll out a new tool and don't tell anybody. Uh, make it hard to find. <laughs> Um, so I, I think it's not as simple as we bought a tool and put it out there and people should just know to go use it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you really have yeah. to look at all aspects of it, but in, and that's where engagement will tell you a lot, the adoption. Um, so again, we adopted it. Um, did people use it? And, and I think that's the most important question because then if they're not using it, you need to find out why. If they are using it, I would bet, you know, dollars to donuts that they're, um, one of their KPIs improved, whatever was tied to the re again, why did you implement that feature? If it was a learning catalog, you should have seen an, an improvement. So and, um, it's very interesting. And it's great to, to, to achieve those KPIs, uh, those set KPIs. Uh, and at the same time, I think the, the wonderful thing is that we can look at these KPIs as sort of the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the lowest common denominator, this is, this is, you know, this is sort of, you know, this is, this is just the, the tip of the iceberg, right? If we're achieving these KPIs, we're probably on the road to some even greater things. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about exchange of data because it really, you know, data, data is king. Um, and it's, so uh, I, it just keeps coming up and in this conversation, it really helps to inform uh, leaders' decision-making. You know, you want the decisions in the organization to be, you know, as, as well-informed as, as possible, right? Um, just, just thinking about this a little bit, uh, where should and could this data come from? 
to provide a clear picture compared to what we've traditionally had or 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 looked where we've traditionally looked for it. I know we've touched on this a little bit, but maybe we could kind of, you know, tie it in a bow here. Yeah, I, I think um, even you know when we talk about HCM, uh, I think it's that can be many things. Um, HCMs can be very uh, tight and on a few key features. Um, they can be very broad. So I think the first thing is that whatever's in your HCM, you probably have peripheral tools as well. Uh, most customers that we have, for example, they have very large ecosystems of tools. Mm -hmm. And I think in the end, what I always think of is what can you, what would you consider part of um, an employee's or a person's profile? What data do I want to know about them? It doesn't matter what system it's in now. How can we get that to really create one view of a person? And there's so much power in that. What I want to know is I want your, your demographic information. I want to know your skills, what languages you speak, the country you live in. So yes, I want basics about you. But I also want to know projects you've worked on. I want to know roles you held previously. I want to know how you feel about things and what are your personal goals um, at the company. So when you think of all of the different disparate systems, just that small amount of data, where they can come from, it, it could be quite large. Yeah, I, I think you make some really good points. And uh, you're just, th this is really revelatory, I think, you know, in terms of being able to uh, sort of reconcile various domains of the enterprise to produce a more cohesive or more um, uh, reflective uh, view of the organization at large. Um, you know, data is king, obviously. Um, and what I'm hearing is that we can combine this data from different nooks and crannies of the organization to, to help decision makers uh, make better decisions informed, be informed better for those. And I guess, I guess the question I have here is, um, what, where should and could this data come from that maybe it didn't come from previously to provide this clearer picture compared to what we've traditionally had? That's a great question. Um, when you think of an employee, you think of uh, with HCM, you, you might have a small data set. Uh, it depends on your HCM and, and how robust it is. And, but chances are that as a, as a company, you have a large ecosystem. And that employee is not using one set of tools. They're using many, and many of them fall under, under HR's purview. So I think when we look at data, I think of it in two ways. Again, the people. So looking at an employee profile, what should be in that profile? Not what is in it, what should be. Uh, look at all of the different tools they use and see what makes sense. I want to know everything about you. I want to know roles you've held in the past. I want to know what interests you. What are your goals at the company? I want to know the skills that you have, the skills that you need. I want to know how you spend your free time. Sometimes, believe it or not, that can be relevant for something. Um, I want to know if you're happy. Are you sad? <laughs> um, so you got your sentiment uh, data that we talked about. So there's a lot that we can look at. And then getting into the company itself, I want to know what projects you've worked on. Yeah. what the different roles you've held in the company. Uh, this can be enormously helpful to connect all these systems. And then in an organizational data level, if you think of connecting your financials, your company initiatives and goals, uh, then with your HR system, um, it's amazing what you can get out of it. 
um, to understand how payroll is uh, connected and impacts billing and project planning uh, and staffing. So there's, there's a lot of different aspects of, of HR uh, and HCM systems have a lot of wonderful data, but so does the rest of the ecosystem. Yeah. And so I, I like to think of it as forming a true view of an employee uh, or, or any really any user in your system. Yeah, it's 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 almost as if the left and right hand are finally talking to each other. But uh, but, but I would amend that say that the the octopus has many, you know, that has eight eight arms or whatever. They're all finally working uh, conceivably in in uh, in concert. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and being able to kind of a mix and match and see things from different perspectives uh, simultaneously from a, from a data standpoint, I think you're absolutely right. Um, this has been just absolutely fascinating. You know, I mean, we've touched on so much, you know, operational data, uh, organizational agility and readiness. We've talked about uh, skills and helping uh, employees uh, upskill up and with their transferable skills to be as, um, as, as potentially uh, helpful to the organization as possible. And at the same time, uh, increasing their, their happiness or their, their satisfaction with their work. And, and we've talked about we've talked about an HCM be, HCM being sort of a warning system for the organization uh, to help the organization uh, make better decisions as a whole to to be more agile and all these sorts of things. Is there anything that we've maybe maybe missed that um, that you that you'd like to touch on? That's a good question. I feel like we we really did run the gamut here, <laughs> but okay. no, I, I think. You know, I'm excited for, I think, what's coming next. Uh, we are endlessly, as vendors, you know, we are endlessly pushed by our, our customers um, as they're telling us what they need. Uh, and so with organizational agility, uh, it's, it's been really interesting because like I said, I think AI is going to play an even bigger role going forward. Um, and I love that everything that we've done the last couple of years has also pushed us to think differently about employee experience. Uh, there was such a push in the beginning to consumerize experiences, but that's really about um, the interaction with what's on your screen. It's not your actual experience as an employee. <laughs> and so I love that we've broadened what we mean by employee experience beyond just the, uh, the, the software you're interacting with. It's, um, I, I think, making sure that we care about what the employees are trying to do, how well they can do it, how easily and we've really changed the way that they interact with all of the uh, systems in their company. That's the employee experience coupled then with all of the effects that has on culture. Um, I just love how it's all really come together. And, uh, and that's, I think my final thought is, is, I think how employee experience has ultimately changed uh, as a direct result of all of these, uh, all these changes in tech and HCM. Oh, very well put, very well put. I don't think I can add anything to that. That I mean, that's just fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Rachel. I really appreciate it. I, I know the audience will too, and and um, and and uh, feel free to join us another time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.